Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, as we gather here this morning, we begin a new series called Family Vacation. And we're going to explore what it means for us, not only as families to be on a journey together, what it means for us as God's people to be on this journey of life together. As we live and we celebrate God's grace and His love. To do that, we're going to start with a question. So here's your question. What's your favorite vacation destination? Think about that for just for a moment. You might have more than one. It might be kind of hard to choose. But your favorite vacation destination. And as you think about that, those of you online, you know, you can start kind of plugging that in there. Those of you here in person, we'll give you a few moments to shout it out. But I'm going to give you a picture and talk about one of my favorite family vacation destination. Growing up as a kid in Phoenix, you know, this time of the year, it's already in the triple digits, 105, 110 degrees, it's hot. And so part of our family vacation was to pack everything up and go north. Northern Arizona, whether it was Flagstaff or Payson, Prescott, Strawberry, we'd go up in those parts of northern Arizona, up in the Ponderosa Pines and the mountains. It was cooler, it was refreshing, and it was a great way to spend part of the summer. And, you know, and so we would get all of our stuff together, and we'd go and have a lot of fun. And my brothers and I, these are my brothers, you know, my, my older brother, my younger brother, I'm the guy in the middle. And, and, and our dog, Muffin, and, and my older brother, David, who obviously is taller than me, and my younger brother by three years, who is almost as tall as me, and eventually just kind of kept growing. John and David, both tall, and I look up to both my brothers. But you know, we had this great time on this family vacation, and, and, and you know a vacation, there's, it's not just the destination or where you're going to go, right? It's about the journey of getting there, and the whole experience of what it's like to get where you are going. For us, you know, we went on these family vacations, and we first started out taking these trips to northern Arizona with a big tent. I don't know how many of you like tent camping. You know, I remember us doing that, and unless I'm wrong, my mom might join us online, so maybe she'll correct me. But if I recall correctly, you know, what happened is one morning, you know, she woke up with a guest in her sleeping bag. And that was the last time we went tent camping. We then shifted to a small trailer and then later on to a pop-up trailer, but we still went north to go camping. We went fishing, we'd go hiking, we'd, you know, just enjoy being outdoors. It was a great experience. You know, as you think about those family trips too, you know, you think about what it means for us to journey together. We're not always the same. You know, maybe you're the kind of person that likes to have everything in the list, be all organized, make sure everything's ready to go, who's watching, you know, the clock to make sure that we're leaving on the expected time, and you get all upset when things don't go quite right, or maybe you're the other person who just enjoys watching that person run around and try to get things going, and you're kind of snickering because, you know, they got everything just right, and you're like, yeah, we'll get there eventually. Well, as you think about that, you know, where, you know, where do you like to go on vacation? Anyone here online share some ideas? Anyone here want to shout something out? Okay, quiet. Jamaica. I heard Jamaica and Jamaica would be kind of cool. Wyoming. Wyoming and, you know, outdoors. And, I mean, right now, anywhere besides just sitting at home would probably be really cool. But as we do that, we're, you know, we're going to start with a guy who went on a journey as we begin this series, a guy named Abraham, who... God called to 
move and go to a new land. And God develops this relationship with this guy named Abraham. We heard that scripture from Chuck just a few minutes earlier. And let's go ahead and let's read a portion of that, Genesis 18, 19 together. I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his family after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So now who's speaking here? God is speaking here. And to put this in context, you may be familiar with Genesis 18. This is when these three visitors come to visit Abraham and Sarah. And it's hot, you know, think like Arizona. The sun is beating down on them. They come in the shade, and as you would do in that culture, you would invite those guests to stay, and you would fix them a meal. And this conversation is going on with these three guests, and they say, your wife Sarah is going to have a child. Now, you remember, Abraham and Sarah are old. They're thinking, you know what, we're beyond having kids and doing family vacations. It's time for us to do things like move down to Arizona and be snowbirds. You know, they're, they're old. They're well beyond the childbearing years. And Sarah does what? She laughs, right? She, she laughs at the idea. Even Abraham kind of laughs at the idea. And yet God makes this promise. And then God, as, as part of the text that we heard, from, as Chuck read that to us, you know, God says, should we tell Abraham what we're about to do? Now, don't read into this like, should we keep this a secret from Abraham? It really is saying, let's have this conversation with Abraham. Let's help him understand and make sure he understands this as we have called him into this relationship that he understands who we are. Because God is about to go down and destroy the community of Sodom. Sodom is a wicked place. And God carries on this conversation with Abraham. He carries on this conversation, and you almost get the sense that, that, that God is kind of, you know, bargaining, bargaining with Abraham, and Abraham is bargaining with God. If you know this, you know, Abraham says what? You know, God, hey, wait, wait, God, don't, you know, if there's a hundred righteous people in Sodom, are you really going to destroy the entire city? Are you going to kill off the righteous with all those that are evil? And then, you know, he, he keeps narrowing it down until he finally gets to, what if there's just 10? What if there's 10 righteous people? Would you still destroy the community? And sometimes, you know, you might hear someone give this idea that, like, somehow Abraham changed God's mind. Abraham didn't change God's mind. God knew exactly what he was doing. God was giving Abraham an opportunity to learn about his grace, his love, and his mercy. Because the grace, love, and mercy that God shows to Sodom is the same grace, love, and mercy he shows to all humanity in sending his son, Jesus Christ, into our world and into our lives. So God says these words here, again, about having Abraham speak to that. And, and, I, and I love the way that you know, it translates this way here, and I think it gives us a better idea of what God is looking at for Abraham. That what he's looking at is not that he's looking for Abraham to be obedient, well, he is to be, be obedient. But sometimes we hear these texts, we hear these words, we think about parenting and mentoring and any kind of relationship we have with, with others about teaching them is about, you know, if they just obey the rules. Because again, go back to Sodom. If they obeyed the rules, God didn't say he would save them. He, obeyed, he saved them because he's a God of grace and mercy. And so it's not about teaching them the rules so that you have obedient kids as much as it's teaching them about who God is and this relationship with God. Let's read this text again, and this time a different translation. So Abraham says, shall we tell him? This is why I called Abraham, we read together. To keep themselves strong in a relationship with me, 
and walk in my ways by showing mercy and justice to all. See, as God is talking to Abraham, he calls Abraham so that he will teach his children and his children's generation. And the generation after that, that they would live by God's mercy and righteousness. That they would share God's grace and God's love. I said, really, all of us are called to do that, not just parents, but, but grandparents and great-grandparents. And, you know, we're at a point in our life where our kids are now adult children, and parenting has not stopped. It's changed, but it's not stopped. And ultimately, the, the goal is to show them and share with them God's grace and God's love, so that God's grace and love is lived out through us. So how do we do that? Here's three quick points for us. And, and our, I got our major um, kind of theme here is that as we talk about God's grace, nobody gives grace better than the person who realizes that they need it themselves. Think about that for just for a moment. Nobody gives grace better than the person who realizes they need it themselves. The more that we realize that we need God's grace, the more that we realize what it means that Jesus died for me, for you, for our sins, the easier it is for us to share God's grace with someone else. So three quick ways that we can do this. As we talk about parenting, grandparenting, anting, and uncling, to coaching and mentoring and teaching others. The first is that we give them the gospel through discipline. This may seem like an opposite thing, gospel and discipline. Well, what that means is there are times that God disciplines his people. Scripture says God disciplines his children. He sometimes allows things to happen. He uses things in our lives to help us grow. But what we know is that we don't receive God's grace and love because of what we do. It's not our obedience that makes God love us. God loves us. So that we know no matter what we're experiencing, we are loved by God. So as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and all those mentors and coaches, that means that we know that we want our children to know that they're loved by God and they're loved by us. That when there are times of discipline, that we love them. And we accept them not by their behavior, not by their achievements. We accept and love them because they are our own. Just as God says to us, you are my own. Give them the gospel through discipline. And the second point here, give them the gospel through instruction. Now, when I talk about that, you know, it's important for us to have opportunities like Sunday school. And I don't know exactly what Sunday school will look like this fall. It just depends how some more things unfold with the virus and the pandemic. But as we think about Sunday school, we think about confirmation classes. Uh, for some of those of us, like my family, we send our kids to parochial schools, Lutheran schools. Those are all great resources, but they are there to help supplement what we do in our households and how we share God's grace, how we share the good news of Jesus Christ so that we don't just give it to somebody else, but what others do. And, those, and that's where we as a community, so it's not just the parents, but we as a community help raise the children of our congregations. We help share with them the good news of Jesus Christ to ensure they know and experience his love. Give them the gospel through Discipline to give them the gospel through instruction, and then thirdly, give them the gospel through modeling. That we model that gospel, we model that grace in our lives. Again, you know, the more that we understand God's grace, his love and mercy for us, the more we can model that in our lives. 
One of the ways that we model that in our family, because um, I'm by the, no means in the perfect dad, and you know, next Saturday, Saturday, next Sunday, sorry, it's Father's Day, and you know, I don't get to get Father's Day just because I'm the most awesome, perfect dad ever. I falter, and I have failed, and I've been grumbly, and I've been harsh, and haven't been supportive or always kind in the way that I should have been. But I know God's grace. And so one of the most powerful things we can do as family, the one of the most powerful things we can do as a community of believers is to share that grace with one another. Some simple words we can simply say. And, and dads, I think especially, so this can sometimes be hard, but dads, moms, to say to our spouse, to say to our kids, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. So that we can, just like we're going to do in worship in just a few moments, we can confess those sins and hear those words of forgiveness, that we can do that for one another. We can share God's grace. We can model it out in our lives. Because once again, nobody gives better grace better than the person who realizes it. They need it themselves. And we all need God's grace. We all need Jesus' love that shapes our lives. And as we model that, then we model that not only then from within our family, it begins to spread out into the schools, the places we work, and the communities we live, into the world which God has called us to. That we are a people who live God's grace because we know we need it. We value and appreciate the gift that he gives to us, the love that he gives to us, the forgiveness and mercy that he gives to us. Because like Sodom, it didn't matter how many righteous people were there. They didn't deserve it because of their obedience or disobedience. What they got was God's grace and mercy because God is a God of grace and mercy because of Jesus. And that's what we get to, God's grace and mercy in Jesus. So here's a challenge question for us as we look into this new week. How will you model God's grace this week? Think about that. Very practical. One thing you can do. How can I model God's grace this week? Maybe it is within your family and making sure that you can say, you know what, I'm going to make sure I say, I'm sorry. I'm going to make sure I say to one of my family members, I forgive you and I love you. Maybe it's going out into the community and seeing those opportunities to share God's grace and God's love. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the great gift of your mercy, your grace, and love. And Lord, our, as we're on this journey together, it's not only the destination. Ultimately, Lord, our destination is with you forever in heaven. Lord, it's all that we experience along the way, that we live in your grace, your mercy, and your love. Lord, we pray that by the power of your Spirit, you help us to share that grace and love. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.